It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. everybody and welcome to the show made possible by our friends at Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. It's Julian DeStoop sitting in for Sam Edmund. Today we explore the wild and wonderful life of sprint car racer James McFadden. Alice Springs born and now largely living in the US, the man known as J-Mac has returned to Australia for the 50th anniversary edition of the biggest race in Australian Speedway, the Grand Annual Sprint Car Classic in Warrnambool. And he's doing it for a brand new and somewhat random team of owners. James, welcome and thanks for your time today. Thanks for having me. And welcome back home. It must be nice to be home given you spend so much of the year in the States. Absolutely. Great to uh, have a normal coffee and a, and a good feed. So it's, it's good to be back home uh, in Australia for sure. Just take us through the Outlaw Sprint Car Series. It, it is, on paper, it looks brutal with the amount of racing that you do. Yeah, absolutely. So we start, um, start of February in uh, Volusia, California, uh, Florida, and we uh, end the season in uh, November at uh, Charlotte. Um, so yeah, we do uh, about ninety races a year um, through twenty-two states, um, and we drive all of those miles in between. So we go to some pretty random places, you know, like New Mexico and um, up to Seattle and, and Washington area, and all through Texas, and get to see a lot of that country and. Uh, it's a, it's a busy schedule, but it's a, it's a lot of fun. Probably the busiest schedule in, in world motor racing. And as you said there, you're not flying in and flying out of these regions. You are literally on the road with your young family. You've got a 20-month-old son for pretty much all year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it, it is the, the busiest schedule um, in motorsport. And uh, like I said, it's, it's not as glamorous as what we'd like it to be sometimes. I, I drive all the miles in the motorhome and... Uh, get up and down the road and, and, you know, you service your generators and you, you fix all your, all your problems with the motorhome on the way. And, um, you know, we race Mondays and Wednesdays and Tuesdays and, you know, sort of whenever we can get a race at, at certain places. And, and we go to a lot of random places. Like I said, we, you know, you're in Ohio through the Midwest in all the cornfields and then you, you know, you're back out in the, into the desert and, um, up to some really cool places in Pennsylvania and stuff. So, there's a lot of miles, a lot of travel, um, having the kid on the road's tough at times, but it's, it's great. I get to watch him grow up and sort of live my dream, uh, with my family, which not a lot of people get to do. Yeah. That, that's certainly a great side of it, but how much discussion went around that, you know, you're starting a family and, and you, and you're going to be on the road for so long. It's a bit of a different way to, to bring up a child. How much sort of discussion with your, with your partner went into that? Uh, yeah, so it's, it all started, I'd actually given away racing, uh, in America and, and, uh, just went back to fill in for a friend of mine who got hurt and Casey Kane and, um, was going to do 10 races for him and it turned out to be about 200. So we, uh, you know, we ended up going over and, um, 
you know, doing the outlaw tour, which, which I'd sort of given that dream away. And we decided to start a family and Zoe had her own business and I had started my own business building engines and Zoe was doing phys- physical therapy. So yeah, we, uh, we changed our lives and then in a, in a quick phone call it uh, it all flipped <laughs> around and we, we live in America for, you know, nine months of the year driving, driving around in a motorhome. So I think Wiley Mavericks at the age he is, um, it's, it's doable. Um, but you know, once school turns around, I think that is, we'll end up moving back to Australia full time for sure. I guess the good side is, as you sort of touched on, but the fact is, you know, a lot of sports men and women that have to ply their trade, uh, overseas, you know, they spend a long time away from family, which is really tough, but you're the complete opposite. You've got them with you the whole time. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, um, during the, the start of the whole COVID deal, they had to stay home and it was pretty tough and I don't know how they, I don't know how people do it to be away from from your family that long. So, um, to have them on the road with me all the time is, is unreal to watch my kid grow up every day and, and to see him, you know, unfortunately love the racing as, <laughs> as much as I do. Uh, it's really cool. So I think one day when he's older, he, you know, he's going to be able to tell some pretty cool stories. Be tough for him not to love it, wouldn't it? He's yeah. literally around it every day. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. He, uh, he's a rock star in the pits there. He, he goes around and hangs out with all the drivers. So yeah, I, I couldn't, couldn't ask for a better way to bring him up right now. I'm just trying to get my head around this. So 33 years of age and the World of Outlaws Rookie of the Year. Yeah. How does that work? Uh, no age cutoff? Yeah, no, <laughs> absolutely not. So the, the series, um, you know, I've been racing for 15 years and, and uh, never got to race that series. Um, so, yeah, basically the World of Outlaws is the, the pinnacle of spring car racing and, um, you know, there's uh, I think there's 15 contracted cars. So to get to that point is, is really tough. And like I said, I, I got to very close numerous times and, and then thought, you know, this is, this is it. I, I need to, you know, grow up and, and stop racing cars for a job. And, uh, and then the opportunity to, to do the outlaw tour and then to get rookie of the year was, was pretty amazing. So, you know, you're racing against some guys that are the same age as you. I think at that time there was six of us rookies there and they were all around the same age, but you know, with America, the, the rules are a lot there aren't as many rules. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, you can be 14, 15 years old and drive a sprint car over there. So, uh, yeah, at times I don't feel like a rookie for sure, but, uh, at times they make you feel like a rookie, you know, you, you're versing guys that have been doing it for 20, 25 years and they make you feel like you're pretty new. So it sounds like there's a, a wide range of age groups. I mean, as you say, you can start really young and there's still drivers, you know, driving really well, what sort of late forties. Ah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think. I think you start to, you know, you, you, you have raw speed and, and talent at a young age, uh, but no brain. <laughs> uh, so when you start to get to your, your, you know, your early thirties to your, um, early forties there, you start to harness all of that speed and then get the brains and be smart. And, and that's, I think when you start winning championships, because the championships 90 races long, um, you have to be consistent and finish and you know, look after your car for 90 races. That's a, that's a tough thing to do. And that's why these guys like Donnie Schultz and Brad Sweet who have been doing it for so long are, are so good at, um, you know, that series stuff. Like I can go to a race and win a race and risk, be, you know, risk my car or, um, you know, with, with that championship, you can't do that. So it's a, it's a fine balance. How big is the sport in the US? We know you've got, you know, NASCAR and you've got IndyCar. How, how big is the sport and what sort of budget are we talking about to, to run a team in, as you say, a, a real long season of racing? Uh, the budget's about a million dollars a year. Um, 
you know, we have, we only have three full-time employees on the car, uh, and myself. So it's a, it's a small, small core group. Um, yeah, it's, it's in motorsport terms, it's actually probably quite a cheap sport. Mm. Um, you know, we race for prize money, so, you know, you don't get a set salary, you, you race for prize money each night. So your car can have the ability to earn your million dollars back if, you know, if you win a lot of races. So, um, yeah, in that terms, it's, it's actually, yeah, like it's not, it's not crazy, but we race a ridiculous amount of at times. So keeping personnel, um, happy and, and going up and down the road is tough. So yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a different, different world to, to most, most sports for sure. What's the toughest part when, when the season is that long? Is it, is it mentally at times? Is it, is it physically, as you said, it's making sure your, your small little team are all happy. Yeah. I think, uh, mentally not letting it beat you down when you have a bad night, being able to step up from a bad night or, or if you go to a track that you generally struggle at, you know, producing the best possible result you can, you know, you might not have to race for a win because you're not good there. So, you know, if you get 10th or an eighth or something, you've got to be pretty happy with that. So yeah, managing, it's a lot of people management, you know, with crew chiefs and, and stuff and car owners, keeping everyone happy, but keeping your mental side of things is, is brutal. And like any sport, um, you know, if you have a couple bad nights, it's really hard to pull yourself out or, you know, you make some really bad mistakes or wreck the car or something. It, it's, uh, it's tough to back it up, you know, jump in the motorhome, drive five hours and then race the next night and, and be sh- as sharp as you can. Cause it wears you down after, you know, I had a, a big part of the season here where I struggled and, and, uh, it got to the point where I'm like, man, maybe I'm just not good enough. And you sort of have to slap that out mm. of your head pretty quick and you're a race car driver, you've got a big ego, so you need to, to work on that. For sure. Is that the sort of unique part of your sport that you're over there racing at the pinnacle of your sport, but then it's sort of very almost grassroots, the fact you're driving the bus from town to town, you're on the bus for eight hours, there's probably times you, you're doing maintenance on the bus. It's, it's sort of a, you're at the pinnacle, but it's a lot of sort of grassroots about it as well. Yeah, the dream's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, for sure. Uh, I think I think that's what makes spring car racing so cool is, is the grassroots side of things. You know, the fans can come in the pits and, you know, as you strap it into the car to go up for the feature race, they're in, in there trying to talk to you. So, um, I think that's a really cool part of it, but it's also, you know, it's, it is a little, you know, it's, I think it's unnecessary to race 90 races a year, but that's what we have to do to make enough money to, to make it worthwhile. And then obviously driving the motorhome up and down the road, which is our choice to do because having Maverick and, Mm. And Zoe on the road full time is, is the only way I can do it. Um, so yeah, that gets one expensive and two man slide outs and drain block, drain <laughs> toilets and, uh, generators and stuff like that gets old working on that. But I have a diesel, diesel fitting background, so I, I can sort of fix a lot of it. <laughs> have you had any moments where something's gone wrong on the, on the way to a race? You're like, when am I actually going to make this race? Yeah. So I, <laughs> funny story. I had. So my boy sits in a car seat in the couch and I turned the corner and the whole kitchen slide went out with him <laughs> while I was turning and had to get out and, and fix that and jump started with a 12 volt battery. And yeah, had a lot of moments. Um, but you know, a lot of those places will, fortunately we can stay at Walmart's over there. That's a part of their deal in their car park. So, you know, we'll leave the track at midnight and go to drive till three in the morning and sleep there and not put any of the slides out or anything that can go go wrong. Um, sleep there really quick and, and get out there in the morning and get to the track. So yeah, I tend to, to not set 
the whole bus up unless we're there for a couple of days. <laughs> You're listening to This Is Your Journey, thanks to Tobin Brothers, a family-owned business since 1934. So lightweight, 900 horsepower engines and all on dirt. After the break, James will take us inside the world of sprint car racing. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Hello, great to have your company on This Is Your Journey, made possible by Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives. We're chatting to Aussie sprint car racer James McFadden. So, James, for the uninitiated, how do you explain sprint car racing and exactly what you do? Uh, they're, they're pretty wild machines. Um, you know, they have the big top wing on the um, on the top there, which is an upside-down aeroplane wing, basically. It keeps us on the ground, keeps us planted. Otherwise, we'll take off. Um, they're a 600 to 650 kilo car with 900 to 950 horsepower. So they've got way too much engine for how big the car is. Um, and they're just, they're made to sprint like the first, the, like the first, uh, word in the, in the name. It's, uh, as fast as you can go for 30 laps and, uh, you know, you, you see a lot of action and crashes and wheel stands and. Um, two or three wide, um, you know, we, Warnable, for example, where the Grand Annual Spring Car Classic is, is, is about 400 to 450 meters. And we do that in 10 seconds. So <laughs> you get hauling pretty quick and, um, you know, the track surfaces change so much with the dirt and, and the sun. So they're just a wild, wild piece of gear. You know, I, I relate them a lot to a jet ski. When you turn a jet ski off the throttle, they don't turn. When you turn a jet ski on the throttle, they turn. So mm. the harder you ride a jet ski, the better they are to to ride and it's exactly the same as a spring car. So it just gives an insight into the power of these things that you're driving. Well, what's a, a V8 supercar has 650 horsepower. So, you know, we have 950 <laughs> horsepower. Um, yeah, there's, there's not much in the world of motorsport that can, you know, that can rival, you know, their power to weight ratio more. It's got, it's got a better power to weight ratio than a formula one does. And we're way too over engine. We, we don't need that much power to get it to, you know, it's tough to get it to the ground. So I think that's the hardest part about what we do is, is getting everything out of the car, but without having as much wheel spin as you can. So, uh, yeah, I love them. They're the most raw natural car. There's no traction control. There's no driver aids. There's nothing that helps you. It's, it's once you're strapped in, it's, it's all you. So what sort of speeds are we talking about here? Sort of top speed? Uh, so Australia is a lot different, um, to America. So, Australia, the tracks are smaller, um, narrower. So you're probably only looking at 100, 120 to 150 kilometers an hour. Uh, in America, we, we race at some NASCAR tracks. They put dirt on and, you know, you're getting upwards of 140, 150 mile an hour. Um, that's, it's fast in a sprint car. It gets a little sketchy. <laughs> so, you know, you, you're a couple hundred kilometers an hour over there and, um, you know, open wheel racing. So it, it gets pretty dicey, but yeah, straight, the, the track sizes de- determine how fast we go and um, whether the track's got a lot of um, grip in it. Uh, you know, like I said, with the sun before, when the sun's out, the track doesn't have as much grip. So it all depends sort of where we're at and, and what sort of track we're going to. But, yeah, anywhere anywhere in the 110 to 200 kilometres an hour zone, really. Unbelievable. So they're lightweight and they've got all this power. So, I mean, sometimes they don't stay on the ground. I mean, do, do you drive... Is there fear when you 
drive or are you just fearless or it's it's natural to have at times some fear? Yeah, I think you have to have a little bit. You have to have some respect for what you're driving because they do hurt. You know, I've, I've broken my back and collarbones and ribs and things like that. So they can hurt you. Um, so you have to have some respect, but you can't race with fear because you're not going to do the right job. You know, sometimes we, you know, use the wall as grip. So you smash into the wall to get grip, to get better drive down the straight. So yeah, you, you can't have too much fear or you're going to get eaten up. <laughs> <laughs> You've touched on it there. Some of the injuries that you sustain, which I'm sure is common amongst all forms of motor racing. Is there one particular hairy moment that stands out? above the rest or one injury that's, that's been tougher than any other to come back from? Uh, I think when, when you hit your head hard, you know, and it, the whole concussion things, mm. um, open, open up a lot over the last few years and it's, you know, it's great to read books about it and stuff. And then I sit there and go, man, I've had some of that yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I race the next night. So, um, yeah, I think, I think, yeah. Anything to do with your brain, you know, that sort of stuff's tough. You know, you you lose your depth perception a little bit. But you know, I, I broke my back and I was in a car six weeks later. Yeah. So, um, you know, you know the risks jumping in there. You obviously don't want to, you don't want to face them because um, that's that's tough. But it's no different than walking down the street. So we just uh, try to do what we can with safety equipment and and be as safe as we can. And unfortunately, sometimes that happens and. Hopefully it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Have you had many concussions? Uh, not official ones, but yeah. I think I've had them, you know, I've had them to the point where I haven't got back in the car that night because I was, you know, a bit dizzy or, a, um, you know, didn't feel like it was going to be the best best idea. But, you know, the younger, when I was younger, I didn't. I just jumped back in mm. and, and, you know, it was all good. So, yeah, I think the older you get, the, the more we start to do some more research on it and stuff, it's, uh, yeah, it's a it's a thing that we need to start looking at a lot more in, in our sport, for sure. What about fitness? I think it's probably one of the underrated things with all forms of motor racing is how fit you guys are. What do you do? How fit are you? And what do you do to sort of keep your fitness? Or is it just race fit because you're racing so often? Yeah, I think it's more race fit. You know, I'll go for a run and do a little bit in the gym, but it's not anything, you know, anything crazy like a footballer that's got to run for as long as they do. Um you know, our, our races are short and sharp, you know, 15 minutes of absolute high intensity. Um, you know, we get a lot of hot days and stuff like that. You know, you're in your, you're in your race suit, so you've got a four layers of clothing on. So it gets hot and, you know, you, you really need to keep your, your food and your water and, and your stuff like that up. Otherwise you, uh, you struggle, um, because we're on the road so much, it's hard to eat well. Um, but fitness wise, I race, <laughs> you just go 90, race. 90 races. So, you know, your, your arm strength and stuff like that is, is all just muscle memory at that's at that point. So I, I think if we would go lift weights right now, you'd probably lift more than me, but you know, I could drive a car for a lot longer than you could. <laughs> no doubt. I'm sure you could run better than me as well. J-Mac was back in 2022 for his sophomore season with the world of outlaws, NOS energy drink sprint car series, but this one brought some changes. After earning the Kevin Gobrecht Rookie of the Year Award last year in the Casey Kane Racing Number no. 9, James McFadden took trusty Justy, Woodman, and Red Cat Rob with him to the Roth Motorsports 83 this year. Things started off strong in February, as McFadden was one of four drivers to finish top 10 during all three nights of Volusia's Dirt Car Nationals. After that, though, only one podium finish followed over the next three months as the team continued to try and gel. 
Business picked up in June and July when they rattled off three runner-up finishes in three weeks. But the sting of heartbreaking losses at Houston Speedway stuck out the most as McFadden led the white flag lap of the $100,000 to win High Bank Nationals, but saw Sheldon Hodenshield drive away with the glory in stunning fashion. He was a back-to-back -back podium finisher at the Ironman 55 and appeared to be on his way to that elusive first win during the Sage Fruit Skagit Nationals until a broken shifter cable stuck another dagger right through the hearts of the 83 team. Brent Ventura joining the team on the road trip brought welcome change in the fall and finally led to that first victory lane trip of the season. Topping the 65th race of the year and ending an 81 race drought, the Australian was finally a World of Outlaws winner once again on October 15th at Kansas Lakeside Speedway after outdueling Giovanni Selzy and Logan Schuhart in an exciting 30 lapper. Although he only scored the one win to his two last year, J-Mac stepped up in the consistency department with a career-best 22 top five finishes this year, ending up seventh in the championship chase once again. The pride of Alice Springs Northern Territory has already signed on for the 2023 campaign with Roth Motorsports and will be back with the full support of Toyota Racing Development Power under the hood. He'll head home down under for a winter of racing in hopes of staying sharp for his third full-time season with the greatest show on dirt. Uh, so seventh in the final standings this year, one in Kansas in October, runner-up four times, 11 podiums, 22 top fives and 38 top tens. You talked about consistency before. That's a pretty consistent season. Uh, yeah. Um, to me, it was it was a rough year. It was the hardest year of my racing career. We, we were in the position to probably win six or eight races and had parts failure or, or something go wrong that was out of, out of my team and, and my hands. And it was just, uh, it got to the point where, you know, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm just not, I'm not cut out for this. I'm not good enough. And then, you know, to turn it around that end part of the year and, and start to really, you know, battle for wins every night and, and then to get that win and, uh, was, was huge. So the confidence is up, um, for next year, but yeah, it's the, like we talked about with your mind before, if, if you get down, it's so hard to, to go to the next race and, and be ready and, um, mentally, I think the middle part of the year we struggled, um, but yeah, we turned it around, so it was good. That must be tough because we talk in you know other sports. You say locally, footy your teams lost four games in a row, or has you know hasn't won for a while. You start talking about is the confidence and is the belief going? I think at one stage you well, you go seventy races without winning a race. <laughs> thanks, thanks for yeah, I know, but it doesn't mean you're not finishing <laughs> top five or top three. But how how tough is that? I mean, you're out there to win, and you're racing so often, you can go a long time without winning a race. Yeah, absolutely, and and it's not obviously from the lack of trying and, um, you know, circumstances change. Like I said, we were, we were in position to win a lot of races this year and, and just didn't do it. Um, you know, if, if those could have, would have, should have turned around the other way, we'd be sitting here with 10 race wins and you've had a great year. So, uh, it's, it's a tough championship. You know, I, I think you don't see it a lot in a lot of motorsport where, you know, I, I believe there was 15, 16, 16 different winners mm. in the championship this year, which is, which you don't see a lot of, you know, we go to a, say Pennsylvania, which is the, the toughest local racing scene. And, and those guys race a hundred times a year at one track. Yeah. Um, you know, and you, you go on a verse a guy who's won a hundred races at that track and, and we show up for two nights. So yeah, it's, it's a brutal, it's a brutal, you don't see that a lot where a local, a local budget team can win a race. And, and, you know, we see that in the world of outlaws championship and it makes it 
so much harder to win races. So you signed on with Roth Motorsport again back for 2023. Off the back of what you said about this season, you felt like you could be right up at the top of the championship. Yep. It sounds like you've got a belief you can win this thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Roth Motorsport have had a car in the championship for 25 years and, you know, they're they're a hard team to drive for if, you know, if you don't have results. They're not happy. So uh, for them to, to ask us back, they must have some, you know, belief in, in our ability and, and what our team can do. So pumped to go back to do that. Um, obviously with Toyota Racing Development now with, with factory support um, with their engines and stuff this year is going to be huge. So... Uh, yeah, I'm excited to to get the year started. It's uh, it's a it's a it's a big project to get over there, and um, yeah, I'm just pumped to uh, to hopefully start the year how we finished it off for sure. You're with this is your journey, brought to you by Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives. Visit tobinbrothers.com.au. So James McFadden, he hasn't just come home for a holiday; he's on a mission. We'll talk about that after this break. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Hello, we're hoping you're enjoying this week's this edition journey. of This Is with Your Sam Journey. Today's For guest Tobin is Brothers Sprint Funerals, Car Driver, James visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating race, lives. You- getting ready for the Warnable Sprint Classic. It's the 50th edition, and you're spearheading a new Aussie team, and it must say it's got a diverse range of owners. Just take us through how this all came about with Hodges Motorsport. Yeah, so uh, I actually met up with Tim in America. He was at a World of Outlaws race and, and told me his plan, and um, I said, that you know, that's really cool to get those those people involved in our sport and, and get a new, new, uh, new set of eyes over it. Um, and at that time... You know, it wasn't with me as the driver. And a month later, I get the phone call to ask, uh, you know, if, if I would be interested. And I absolutely grab grab it with both hands. I think, um, you know, I think it's going to be a cool deal. I hope hope they know how hard this race <laughs> is to uh, to win. And, and you know, I hope they, you know, have it have an enjoyable time. You know, I know Tim knows so much about it. He's a Warrnambool-based guy, a uh, Warrnambool-born guy who's, you know, that race means everything. The classic. For people that don't know, the Classic's our grand final. It's it's our Bathurst. It's it's the biggest race that we have in Australia, and if not one of the biggest races in the world. So for sprint car racing, so uh, yeah, it's exciting. It's an exciting team. Um, like you said, random. Um, <laughs> you know, having Jack Rewald as a part of it. I'm I'm not a big AFL person. Um, you know, racing's just been my life. So, but I know exactly what he's done and, and how good he is at what he does. Having Scott McLaughlin a part of it, um, huge in America right now with his Indy cars and Jared Ra- Waitley. Um, again, I'm really quite new at this whole yeah. football thing, but you know, everyone that I talk to is like, man, he's, he's a really big, you know, really big thing. So, um, to be a part of that is, is huge. Um, you know, and I, I think it's great that they've, they wanted to be a part of, you know, some grassroots racing that's actually you know, a big, big professional sport, um, outside of, you know, what you do see a little bit of. So, um, yeah, going to be fun to, uh, <laughs> to get them dirty. Hopefully none of them wear white pants. <laughs> <laughs> so the team we're talking about is Tim Hodges, of course, that yep. motorsport expert, AFL 360, uh, producer who's put this team together, given it with a bunch of, you know, Tim knows his motorsport as well as anyone, but the others aren't, and or Scotty does as well, but given it's a different team, did it take any convincing to get on board? No, not, not really for me. Um, I just thought, you know, it's, it's massive for the sport. Um, it's going to be, 
It's going to be great. And then they're, they're all very good at what they do. So they're not going to do it half, you know, halfway. So that the cars are going to be great. Everything's going to be there. The tools are going to be there to do the job as good as we need. And then the schedule was perfect for me, you know, wanting a little bit of time at home with some family and stuff. So yeah, to me, it was a no brainer. It was, uh, it was ticked all the boxes. And, um, like I said, it's an exciting prospect having these guys come to come into our world. Um, and what we do, it's, uh, hopefully they get really excited about it and it leads to some, some really cool things for our sport. Yeah. I was going to say, do you, do you hope given the, the profile of the guys that are involved, that it does add some extra exposure to, to your sport and maybe just make some people aware of not only this event, but how significant an event it is in the world of sprint cars, not just in Australia. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I think there's a lot of people that, you know, went to the speedway as, as young blokes with their dad, you know, back in the eighties and, and things like that. So I think, I hope that that brings, you know, brings some people to go, oh, man, maybe I'll just take my kid down and, and watch it. Or even, you know, Avalon's just down the road here. It might, you know, there might be some more people that go to those races. So, yeah, I'm I'm hoping it does for sure. Um, if anything, it's it's been great, you know, to get these, these guys involved and see the social media side of things has been, been unreal. Like there's been a lot of hype about it. And I know they're all excited. They're pumped about, you know, the, the way it's going and the, the way it's, Looking um, now that the pressure's on me to perform, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a tough race to win. But um, yeah, I think I think we're we're do, they're doing a really good job, and um, it's it's been a pleasure to be a part of so far for sure. Now you want them to be excited, of course, but they're not interfering, are they? You don't you don't <laughs> any sport you don't want owners telling the whether it's the drivers or the players what to do. They're not they're not butting they butting in where they're not wanted, are they? Yeah, I'm lucky none of them have dirt experience, so I've probably got a little <laughs> more miles on them than they do, but. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, they've, they've been good with me, letting me, you know, get cars that I want and um, prep them how I want to have them. And, um, you know, they're giving the, me the tools that are that I need to do the job. That's, that's uh, yeah, everything. Everything there is is world-class machinery. And, and uh, like I said, the, the job's on me to, to do it right. So, yeah, I'm hoping they just grab the mud scraper and scrape the cars and, and wash it and make it look pretty and, and <laughs> stay a little bit out of my way. <laughs> How meticulous are you, not just with this car, but when, you, when you're in the process of building a car or maintaining a car? We see, you know, like cricketers, some of the batsmen, they're just obsessive, compulsive almost about their bats and their technique and these sort of things. What about you with your own car? Are you really hands-on, meticulous, you know, sort of demand high standards? Uh, yeah, I think. You know, you you get to a point in your career where you've raced a lot and you just know what you want. Um, you know, you to the way you sit, to where you throttle and your brake feels right and, and everything. You, you sit for you sit like a bus driver in, in a sprint car. So you, you sit how we're sitting right now yeah. with your legs down. So, you know, it's a very odd position. So to to have your brake pedals and your everything in the right p- spot is the one percenters. And the one percenters that will make five, ten percent, which the win or lose situation. So I'm very meticulous in that way. I'm an engine builder by trade as well. So I, I know the engines in and out, I can do all that stuff. So yeah, you get to a point where you, you know what you want. Um, you know, you gotta be nice about it, but sometimes (laughs) a little forceful about, about what you want for sure. Just take us through how you got into the sport. So you mentioned you're not much of an AFL guy, for example, you grew up in Alice Springs and, and you got a bit of a family history in the sport. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Alice Springs um, born, um, race go-karts up there, dirt go-karts and um, travelled around the country um, racing go-karts and, and did okay and was fortunate enough at the time my dad raced a little bit of sprint car stuff, um, you know, not 
not to the point that I'm doing it. He just raced a little bit of local stuff here and there. And I jumped in for a skid one day at, at 15 at a test day. At, um, probably shouldn't say that too loud because you're not allowed to, <laughs> but I, uh, yeah, had a bit of a skid and, and thought this is something that I'd really like to pursue. So we, uh, drove for my family team for a year or two and, and was lucky enough to get picked up and just been trying to climb the ladder of, of the sprint car world since. So it's been a, been a fun journey. And just back to Warnable and the annual sprint car classic, like Warnable country town, and it's known for its uh, racing carnival in May with the thoroughbreds, but just give us an idea why this is such a, a big race and the fact that it's, it's not just the best of the locals. We've got some of the best in the sport that come out for this race, not just this year, but every year. Yeah, there'll be, there'll be upwards of 100, 120 cars there. And, you know, 20 of those guys will be American. You've got, you know, Brad Sweet, who's World of Outlaws champion for the last four years in a row. He's coming out. Um, Sheldon Horton, Child, these are all guys. Carson Macedo, they're top five in Outlaw points. I think um, out of the top seven, there's probably four guys that are, you know, that are coming to race Warnable and want to win this race. So this race is a big race, and I, and I think it, it's it's under it's undersold how big it actually really is that you know the the worldwide impact that it has in America is is crazy. So to have guys like Brad and Sheldon and Carson want to come out here and race it is is a testament to how big the race is. Um, but Australia's tent have whipped their asses basically in the last <laughs> in the last ten good. years. So it's been it's been good. Um, but the town just like gets behind it. It's it's crazy. We have a fan appreciation day that has, you know, 10, 15,000 people go to it in, you know, four hours and it's just busy. There's, you know, t-shirt trailers and kids can sit in cars. And then the actual race itself is over the three days with 15,000 people there. It's just a, it's a great, it's a great spectacle. Um, you know, the town's all about it. The, The town has flags through it with spring cars on them and, you know, displays and stuff. So if you haven't, and you're thinking about doing it, you, I th- I'd recommend doing it. It's a, it's our, it's our big, it's our cherry. It's our race that we, that we want to win. We're talking to James McFadden on This Is Your Journey, thanks to Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives. We just had a quick chat about Warnable then. We'll go into a bit more detail about the Grand Annual Sprint Car Classic after this. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. It's been great to have your company here on This Is Your Journey, thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals, a family-owned business since 1934. It's been great to have sprint car driver James McFadden as our guest today. So for people maybe like Jared and, and others that haven't been down there, you just touched on it there, but what's sort of the experience like around the sprint car classic and, and particularly when the big races are on? Well, the, the whole town of Warrnambool turns into a <laughs> a big sprint car mad mad town. You know, the, the restaurants are are busy that the whole town's wide open and you know you you drive down the main street and there's you know big grass medium strips and there's guys working on spring cars in the middle of them you know semi trailers parked with spring cars out the back and you can walk up and go and touch them and feel them and sit in them and so I think the fan interaction there is is really great it's it's a huge event but it's still a grassroots event so the drivers are accessible the cars are accessible the crews are accessible you know it's uh 
for me growing up, I grew up watching the classic and it was my favorite time of the year and it still is to this day. So some of my greatest memories are sitting on the hill watching my dad go around. So yeah, I think, uh, I think as a fan, it's great, but even as somebody that has no vested interest in the sport, you would, you would enjoy the weekend there. It's a, it's a great event, a great, <clears throat> great town and, uh, something that you should absolutely go and check out. So 50th anniversary, that obviously means it's a, a really special one. What would it mean to win it in its 50th anniversary? For Not just for you, but for, I guess, particularly the Australians that will be competing. Yeah, that like I told you before, the, the Classic is the pinnacle. So I've won it twice, and, and they were two of my biggest career wins. And uh, to win the 50th would be <clears throat> pretty crazy, um, pretty cool. It's, it's a race that I grew up wanting to be a part of, wanting to just be a part of, um, let alone trying to win it and be in the position to win it. So um, it can make or break, you know, your career as, as a young guy. If you win this race, it, it propels you to being on the map, um, basically in, in the eyes of America and, and Australia and car owners and sponsors. So it's, uh, there's a hundred guys trying to win that race and it's, it's brutal. So it's, it's one of those things that you, you know, you, you strive for your whole life to do and when you do win it it's it's a relief so the 50 would be would be the one so just give me two seconds i'm just going to set them boys up here quickly <coughs> no you're fine So you mentioned you've won the race twice before. What were your memories of winning it for the first time, given you grew up watching it? Yeah, uh, it took me a long long time to win. We uh, we won everything in Australia to that point uh, a few times, and I'd won the prelim you know, three or four times and, and just never never got it done. Um, so it was one of those races I started thinking, man, this is, this is the one that's going to beat me. Uh, so to, uh, to win it, was was pretty special it was uh a lot of work um that whole weekend is a is a process and we just got the whole process right and uh to stand up there and get the confetti you know blown over the car and and to stand there and see your name get put in the record books as, as a classic winner is is a dream you know like you see there's not many kids that, that grow up and then one get to live the dream and then and then fulfill the dream so yeah, pretty pretty special memories for sure. How did that compare to winning in the state? Different, uh, different because it's your home. You know, you you can win races that are great, but you win races that are closer to your hearts is is mm. a different deal. So, to win this race is is a is a race that's close to your heart. It's it's something that, like I said, you, you I have memories of as a kid sitting on the hill watching my dad go around and, and thinking, man, that'd be so cool to do one day. So. America, I grew up in the era where there was no social media, so it wasn't as easy as, you know, going to see the classic. Um, but now winning in America is is cool. Like, it's it's as good, you know, as winning the classic. But um, I think the classic has more of a, more of a, you know, a closer to your heart yep. feel, uh, more of an emotional attachment for sure. So it's a, it's a massive week. So the Wednesday night you've got the President's Cup at Avalon Race Day and then Thursday Australia Day Racing at Mount Gambier, the King's Challenge at Borderline Speedway. So how does the, the week work? Do you compete in those races as well and then you go on to Warnable? Yeah, yeah. So some guys 
do it either way. Some guys don't just focus on the one race or miss one here or there. Uh, I like to, I like to get up and about and, and do them all, you know, um, Avalon's, it's a fun race. Um, then Mount Gambia, you know, there's a lot of travel involved. And if something goes wrong, you know, you crash a car or something like that, it, it makes it tough on, on your crew guys and yourself. But I think there's nothing better than for your confidence in racing. You know, if you win those races and you roll into the classic, like we're good, we're, we're ready to roll. So, um, yeah, I, I feel like I'm a racer. I wouldn't want to sit there and, and not do those other races. So guys, guys do it either way, whatever they want to do. But, um, it's the funnest week of the year for me, for sure. I was, I was going to say, I guess, you know, the grand annual at Warnables, what you really want to win in that week. And I guess, unlike, you know, so football, they might be able to cruise through a game at 85, 90% towards the end of the game because they've got a bigger game coming up. But I guess in your world, you can't, pardon the pun, take the foot off the throttle in a race. No, no. I think, I think you've got to be smart with those races, though. If you're not in a position to win, um, you know, if I'm running 10th, well, I'm not going to go wreck the car. Like, I'll just run 10th and be like, okay, that was what do we need to work on to be better and how does a car need to change to be more comfortable for me or what do I need to change? So those races, as much as you want to just go and pound the fence and, and you know, be a hero and win them all, you, you know, the, the realistic part of that is it's pretty tough to do. So, um, yeah, you just got to be smart. You can't go and wreck a lot of gear leading into those races and, and it makes, you know, the whole team morale, like we talked about before, the whole team morale is down and then you're leading into the biggest race of the year with people that have had no sleep and, and grumpy that you've... Uh, wrecked the car a couple of times. So yeah, it's a, it's a fine line between how hard you do go. Um, so it's all depending on the position you're at at the time for sure. Do you expect your collection of owners that week to just say, just back off a little bit and just get, make sure we're okay for Warnable. No damage done. Yeah. I definitely know Tim's that way. <laughs> um, he'll, it'll be fun to watch how he is, um, at the races. You know, I think, uh, it'll be a nervous wreck. Absolutely. I think being, uh, Sitting here and talking about it's great, but until you actually see that car on the track, it's going to be a different story. So, like I said, I'm excited to see how those guys react to it all. Um, it should be fun. Um, if they don't like the classic, they're not going to like motorsport. So it's going to be a fun. It's going to be a fun week. Well, James, thanks for joining us. It's a it's a fascinating life you're living, and for all the success you're having on the US, it's great to see you back and and giving back to the sport and getting some new owners involved uh, for the Warnable uh, Sprint Car Classic. Enjoy the ride. Best of luck next season. And thanks again for sharing some time with us. I appreciate you having me on the show. Thank you. And thank you for joining us also. You've been listening to This Is Your Journey for Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives. Jump online to find tobinbrothers.com.au and we catch you the next time we celebrate another great sporting journey.